Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and 4DC, the world's first end-to-end strategic podcasting consultancy. Hi everybody, it's Paul Holmes, still in Cannes, or for those of you who haven't tuned in to any of our previous podcasts, in Cannes. <laughs> and I am absolutely delighted to be joined on the latest of our broadcasts by Juliana Richter, who runs Ogilvy Public Relations, the biggest and most important part of Ogilvy, I think we can all agree, and her creative chief, Lisa Bright. And we're going to be discussing earned creativity, which is a fascinating topic to me. So, okay, first of all, having people from Ogilvy here and discussing creativity seems like such a natural fit because the Ogilvy brand historically, going back to your founder, has been associated in a huge way with creativity. But that reputation for great creative work has not always been attached to the public relations part of the business to the same extent that it has to the advertising part of the business. That's the first reason I'm really interested to have this conversation. The second is that we're going to be talking about earned creativity. And I have a theory about earned creativity, which is that in today's world, all creativity has to be earned. Yes, yes. That... Okay, we're done. <laughs> okay, good. We're agreed? Yes. All right, we're done. Um, <laughs> Rosé for everyone. <laughs> because even if you're paying, I don't know what you pay these days for a Super Bowl Absolutely. commercial, yeah. you can tell me. Yeah. People have the option of walking away and, you know, taking a leak or making up a pizza or whatever it is people do during the halftime show. they've already seen that. Right, right. Yeah. A week right. before, yeah. it's been yeah. online for yeah. a week yeah. and, yeah. I, you know, They've, they've seen it in, if they're like us, they've seen it in their Twitter feed 20 times. And so everything is earned today, yes. even pay. Yes, yes, how yes, yes, you, yes. How do you bring that mindset to the whole organization? What a great question. Um, so I'll kick it off because Lisa and I probably have interesting, you know, but similar views. One of the reasons I joined Ogilvy PR about a year and a half ago was exactly what you're you're talking about, the storied brand that is Ogilvy and David Ogilvy and the heritage and creativity. But the challenge, and I'm always up for a good challenge, is and continues to be how do we weave that into the PR business in a more meaningful way than any other agency has been able to do? And We are not done yet by any stretch, but we are well on our way to be able to do that because we are so closely tied with the creative part of the business, which in our world is the dominant part of the business. And that was a shift for me, given where I came from, which was more of the PR being dominant, but it works beautifully when it works. Doesn't work every time, by the way, but when it works because it is so much more integrated from the very beginning, from the idea, from the insight that's coming through and creating these amazing, beautiful ideas that can travel across any different medium. That's when I think it works really well. And that's where we're shaping it to be. And that's where we're landing on earned creativity that, and this is what I'm so proud of. And I think Lisa would agree. She's the brains behind this. We are driving that from Ogilvy PR into Ogilvy. It's now the reverse. Mm-hmm. Like we're pushing that into a different kind of mindset. So yeah, I mean, and that's that's why I'm here, right? Like that's that's why my role exists as CCO of OVPR, right? Because I don't come from a traditional PR background, and so I can become that kind of connector and integrator, right? And 
to your point, everything to me, it's fine. I don't come from traditional PR. I don't really have a totally traditional advertising background too. Like the work that I do and the way I approach work has always been just, I like to think a bit more modern, right? And so I think coming to this role for me, I care equally about both sides, right? So to me, it's it's all about brand at the heart of everything and earned from the start. Every brief should be approached like that. NPR and advertising briefs, I think, because to your point, and then, you know, Super Bowl, it's not just about go write a great, funny Super Bowl script anymore. It's everything that happens before and after and during and the conversation and getting that earned attention and media that goes, you know, exponentially further than the paid dollars do. How does earned creativity look different from... I, I don't know, even know what, what I'm supposed to call traditional creativity or the sort of historic idea of creativity that has dominated in advertising, certainly, for the last 50 years or so. I think in the last couple of years, the, the ideas that get elevated, that get talked about are earned PR ideas, right? Like you think of Moldy Whopper, you think of, right, like reverse selfie, the things that are being talked about, you know, this week and can are not necessarily, they don't fit into a PR box in the traditional sense, right? Like I think some of the best work that we all love and we kind of heroize is earned. I think it's really interesting because um, I was at a Twitter talk yesterday and the panel was a head of media for Coca-Cola and Fernando Mercado, very well-known creative, um, formerly Burger King, now Activision. And guess what they talked about? They talked about earned and social. And of course, I'm sitting in the audience, you know, thrilled. I did not pay them. I did not encourage them. This was totally unsolicited. But it was amazing to hear a media person and a hardcore creative person, even one that's probably more leaning social and digital, talking about earned and social. And I think that's where, to your question, what is earned creativity? That's where it's moving. It's it's ideas that are innately creative but are earned and are going to travel. And and that's from the onset. So it's it's interesting to me. I mean, certainly I agree, I think, with your point that the ideas that have swept can in the last five years or mm-hmm. so, I think of always like a girl or, or the State Street yep. um, Fearless yep. Girl Fearless campaign yep. had earned at their core. Yep. And yet... One of the lessons from Can, it seems to me, is that some of the best earned ideas, maybe even most of the best earned ideas, are not necessarily coming out of the earned side of right. big agencies, right. right? That those campaigns and many others like them still have the credit for the lead idea generating agency, which I think, if I'm being honest, is the only thing that matters mm-hmm. at can, yeah. are still coming from the ad side of the business. What does that say to you about the state of creativity in our business, the state of creativity in their business, the state of what clients are looking for in a creative concept? What's the lesson from that? In our world, it really is integrated. It, we don't look at it as us and them. It's ideas, yeah. Now, I probably wouldn't have said that in, a previous, in a previous world. <laughs> but I, but it's it's so much more integrated. And you you mentioned clients, right? Clients are asking for that. Clients are looking for that, and they're demanding it. Whether it's the same network agency doesn't matter, right? They just want it collapsed and you know working in a different kind of way. That I think is a really, to me, you know, biased, probably. Lisa and I would both say this. It's it's a 
wonderful benefit that we get to live in the world that we do because it's more naturally integrated. Now, it's not perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about that too, about how can we refine it and make it better. But we are not coming up with an idea in PR and then talking to advertising. We're not coming up with an idea in advertising and then bringing PR into PR it. We're not doing that with experiential, right? We're coming at it together. Yeah. My question back to your question is, does it matter? Right. And I think, you know, I, I was on a couple of juries recently where this conversation kept coming up of like, oh, well, that came from an ad agency. So we shouldn't award it. Like, I don't, I think it's better, right? It's the, it's the, what's the ships rising? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think it's elevating eventually what's going to happen is the entire industry, right? Is going to be elevated because we're heroizing what was traditionally, or I guess in the box of PR work, but that's now the work that is being celebrated, right? And so I think it's going to eventually r- raise it all up, I think. So, I, I mean, I should probably care less than anybody else at this table <laughs> because, you know, no part of my financial future really is tied <laughs> to whether I'm coming up with big genius creative ideas. Thank God, because I am so not suited to be an agency creative in any discipline. But I'm curious about why this has happened. And I'm curious about mostly about whether it is client and or agency bias. This is where creativity traditionally lives. Mm -hmm. So this is where we go for our big creative ideas. Mm -hmm. Whether there is something in the water over there that makes their ideas better. Mm -hmm. And how are different disciplines recognize creativity? is really different, Different. right? I mean, if you go up on that stage at the Palais and and collect a gold lion, right, you can go back to your advertising agency the next morning and say, or the next Monday morning after consuming huge (laughs) amounts of alcohol over the weekend, (laughs) and say something along the lines of, hey, I just won you a gold lion. Where's my 25, 50, whatever, $1,000 raise? And there's a pretty good chance that that raise will be um, forthcoming. I have never heard of a public relations person uh, walking into their CEO's office after winning a Sabre or a PR Week award or even a Can Lion here and saying, hey, I just won you a Can Lion. Where's my? That We don't celebrate. Do we celebrate creativity enough in our industry? You can probably answer this because you're, I think you have the experience in that. Like I've, I've only seen the shift, right? Like I've kind of come into this role as we're shifting how we approach creativity in general. I I would agree. I I think um, I've been doing this a long time and I think what was celebrated probably up until three, four years ago was strategy. Right. I'm uh, PR is strategy. PR at its core, right. Is as much as creative, it's about, helping, protecting, promoting, right? Whatever it is that you're the brand or the company. And I saw a shift about three to four years ago where client driven, by the way, where it was really about, okay, how do we blend and merge the creative into that? And that's where I think the shift is. But to your question about do people, you know, kind of leverage that they do, they do it behind the scenes, but you know, better than probably most people, PR people are inherently, paranoid and always wanting to prove themselves, right? Right. Compared to other disciplines. And so, but I'm seeing that shift too, right? I'm seeing people now just saying like, 
this was a great earned idea. I want credit. I want to be on that submission. I want to be on that panel. I want to be in that client presentation. Like, so I think it's shifting. It's not there, but it's shifting. Right. I mean, look, we, we have clearly over the last few years recruited more creatives and, and, and we can maybe, as we move through the conversation, talk about how uncomfortable I am in separating <laughs> creatives out as if they're a completely separate species, um, different from, you. you know, every, every other account person in the, in the business. Um, but we brought in creatives from yeah. advertising and digital and other yeah. disciplines. Um, and some have worked and some haven't. Yes. I would guess that if you're batting 500 in that space, you're doing very well yeah. indeed. Yeah. Right. But what was it that attracted you as a, <laughs> I keep doing these, I keep doing air quotes for those of you listening at home, <laughs> but as a quote unquote creative that attracted you to being a creative here rather than in any of the other places that were surely clamoring for your, Absolutely. um, genius talent. Again, I think when you look at the work in the world that I love, that I want to do, that I want to drive, it comes from PR. I will say too, it's challenging being an advertising creative, growing up as an advertising creative to step over into PR is also a choice, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think though, again, you look at, I mean, the fact that social now is PR, every, like that's most of the work that's going to be driving forward for the rest of my career. Right. Yeah. For sure. So Always. like, why would I not want to be at the front of that? Right. And driving what that new body of work looks like going forward. So let's talk about some big earned creative ideas, yeah. specifics. So what are the ones that have really stuck with you that you really loved and why did they resonate to the, the way that they did? So cliche, but I do love to talk about Dove. Um, obviously, a Dove huge. Was, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt, but Dove, Dove was the template, right? Dove was the first time that somebody came out with, and, and the, one of the fun things about Dove was the number of people who claimed to have everybody, come up, everybody in the come industry. Up with the whole. I mean, I, well, yes, yeah. you, you. I think I, you're yes. named in that, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, we've had so, I mean, so many people have claimed to have given birth to that whole concept, yes. but it was very clearly an earned idea. Yeah. This idea of connecting yes. with real yeah. women. Yeah. And Inserting into culture and like really was, tapping into that insight. It was executed. I mean, it, it completely personified or whatever the word I'm looking for is this idea that I have that a great earned idea works in every Everything. channel yes. and yes. every Absolutely. medium and every discipline. A great paid idea doesn't necessarily have an earned execution that yeah. will work, yeah. but a great earned idea is universal. Yes. And it was purpose-driven. It was relationship building at its absolute best. It was real. It seemed authentic yeah. to the brand. I mean, it would, I'm sorry. I've just completely answered the question the words, that I asked you. I'm saying all the words out of my mouth. But, yes. but no, Dove was, Dove was almost is, patient. Is, is, yes, is. Yes, that's that's why I use it no, as an example. That's the other because thing, right? it continues is to that, deliver on That it. consistent <laughs> commitment to building on the platform, exactly. to not getting bored with yes. and, and wanting the next bright, shiny yes. 
idea that right. you know takes you in a new direction. Yeah. That kind of consistency is really admirable too. For me, it is still the gold standard. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And for me, it changed the way that I thought about branding. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I had always thought that to your point earlier, strategy, right? Corporate reputation mm-hmm. work was big and important, and consumer work was product publicity. It was, hey, we've just produced this ad. Can you PR it? Right. I mean, right. and again, no, I'm, being, I'm, being, <laughs> I'm being very reductive, but you've gotten those briefs, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, it's nice. You can make a lot of money there. But at the end of the day, how exciting is that? And then yeah. suddenly Dove came along yeah. and it was like, this is public relations at the heart of building a brand. And it is public relations in its purest sense of really creating a relationship between the brand and consumers. So the brand matters to them beyond its simple efficacy. Uh, wonderful stuff. And so I certainly understand yeah. why that is top of your list. Total, I mean, it's brand at the heart, to your point, that they deliver on over and over again through every channel, through every piece of work, every piece of communications, right? And constantly delivering new earned first creative against the platform. Because what I say too, when I talk about it, and I was, you know, I'm new to Ogilvy, so I don't even have the like, you know, the, I, I was not involved in any of it um, and have been working with the teams now on like some of the recent work. And it's so fascinating to see because I'm like, when that idea was put out into the world, that came with the responsibility, right? To like continue to deliver, to continue to evolve. Like what that work was addressing over 20 years ago has changed. And in some ways things have gotten more toxic when it comes to beauty and when it, right. And because yeah. of beauty advertising and, you know, again, reverse selfie. Right. And so I think what's so amazing about that is it was it was this commitment from both client and agency to deliver on this responsibility. The other thing I would just add to reverse selfie, which I actually think in some ways is even better than the original work. And for a whole host of reasons, they use social listening in such a unique way to really understand what the issues are, to your point, right? The responsibility, the being a part of a conversation, addressing an issue and really committing behind it. And I credit, you know, Unilever just as a company for doing that. But that idea was earned at the core, that idea. And and Ogilvy is the agency of record on the advertising side. We're not on the PR side for Dove, by the way. But there's a lot of earned thinking and one social. Of, one of your competitors reminds me of that every I'm now sure, and again. I'm, I'm sure they do. But, you know, it could be Ogilvy. It could be another agency. But earned is at the forefront of that. And that's why that idea is so successful. So you have sparked two interesting questions based on what you just said. The first yeah. one, the first one is from your idea of, you know, this created a commitment. Yeah. And I wonder whether all great earned ideas involve a commitment of some sort. Yeah. In other words, you know, we've had this idea that the brand is a promise for, I, I don't even know who first yeah. came up with that. Was yeah. it David? <laughs> but we've had this idea that yeah. the brand is a yeah. promise for yeah. a long time. But historically, it was sort of a promise to get your linens whiter right. than, than yeah. you know, somebody or, you know, in, in extreme cases, we'll keep your marriage together right. because your husband won't think that yeah. you're a terrible yeah. housekeeper. Yeah. I mean, the promise has always been something yeah. innate yep. and essential. And this was a totally different promise. This mm-hmm. was a promise about how your brand was going to relate to women. Yeah. Yeah. And how it was going to behave, not just what it was going to produce, right. what it was going to sell, yeah. but how it was going to behave, how it was going to manifest yeah. in the world. Yeah. Do all good earned ideas do that? Or is that something unique to earned ideas, I wonder? I don't 
think they all need no. to do that. No. And in fact, there's a lot that shouldn't do that, right? Like, because if you're going to start going into that territory and not commit as a company, then then you have a different PR issue, right? right? But that's sort of like saying that great creative ideas are not for everybody, which I think is probably true, right? Or to what degree do you need a great creative idea is another way to look at it. But when I think about there's there's great work and one of the campaigns I'm most excited about um, is and it's an Ogilvy campaign. Ogilvy Honduras is Morning After Island and it's up for um, uh, and has won some awards, including a gold award in the purpose category. Right. And health and wellness purpose category. Morning After Island in Honduras, only Latin America company that doesn't have the morning after pill as as a legal option. What they did, and and the company behind it, um, very involved in in thinking about what's the issue that we want to be able to address and what's the commitment we're going to do to put behind it. And this is why I love this campaign so much. It's not just this creative idea of literally an island in the international waters off of you know Honduras. It's the fact that it was pulled through in a brilliant, creative way in a social and earned idea. Like this took off in social, and it ended up changing policy right? Where the president of Honduras said, okay, I'm going to actually take this as a cause. So you talk about commitment, you better be ready to go and and travel down that road. It can't just be a great creative for entry into Cannes. It has to be a company that's willing to stand behind it. And as the PR earned agency, you have to be able to counsel, are you ready for that? And if if you are, here are the steps you need to take to be able to do it. The creative is the spark, to make that really travel. Okay, now, the second idea that, that came out of that exchange, Juliana, was something that you said about the social listening that went into reverse selfie and, and yeah. that was that informed that idea. And again, I wonder at the extent to which the creative process for earned ideas is different. Right. And and again, I don't want to I, I don't want to be reductive yeah. about traditional advertising creative right but for a long time i think our idea of a great creative idea was and again forgive me a guy sitting it was nearly always a guy right a guy sitting in a room having a eureka moment whether it's don draper or whoever right and coming in and basically saying this is my brilliant creative concept buy it because it's a brilliant creative concept what you're talking about, right, yeah. is listening to an audience. It, you know, it's not market research the way we used no. to do market right. research or the no. way that you right. might have seen market research done on Mad Men. Yeah. I don't want to get hung up on Mad Men. <laughs> but it's a much more collaborative process, not just in terms of, you know, we have a whole team of PR people who collaborated on coming up with this creative idea which I think has always been our MO creatively yeah, as an industry. We, could do uh, we don't celebrate, you know, there are great creative minds in public relations, but we don't lionize them quite the way that the ad industry has, from David through generations, yeah. done it. But now we're talking about a collaborative, crowdsourced yeah. idea yeah. of creativity that presumably makes campaigns more authentic, more, uh, grounds yeah. them in, in an authenticity, and changes the process, right? So, yeah, and one thing we've been talking a lot about, we're, we're here with several clients, as you would imagine, we're talking a lot about creativity as it drives community and the benefit of that 
to a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And social plays a huge role in that. So does earned, right? Galvanizing around um, an idea, a purpose, et cetera. I, I think that social listening has become more important than ever. And it's not simply, you know, get a deal with Sprinkler, right? No offense to Sprinkler, but you need the insights. You need the people that can really be able to extract out what's different. And then you need the creative team to go, this is what we can do around that, right? So we can actually amplify it and twist it and turn it and do it with agility. And that is the other thing that, you know, from picking up trends and and just themes from, you know, the last 36 hours, that agility, that need in creativity, I think is more powerful than ever. And that's a really big reason when I met Lisa and was like, please come work with us because you need that agility. But what does that mean for you? As somebody who has the word creative in your title, do you think you're constrained by this different approach? Or is it actually no, helpful I'm and empowering and exciting? Liberating. Okay. Absolutely. What I think is so interesting too, though, and like just kind of processing through what you guys are, you guys, you know, the saying PR has been strategy driven or led. I think it's it's a different strategy approach though than creative strategy, right? And yeah. I think that's what we're we're all building in the mm-hmm. industry now, right? Like into PR, we need to build the creative strategy and the insights. And those have always come from human truths, right? right? And so now we have social to be able to like, to your point, the research is right in front of us every day, all day. And so it's just about constantly listening to that and mining that and, and figuring out where are the and for every brand, it's different, right? Too. It's like, where do you actually, what do you mind? And, and then how do you activate or execute off of that in a way that makes sense for your brand? How has the expanded use of an access to data and analytics shifted the creative process and the kind of ideas that work in an earned creative? WPP was lucky and fortunate enough to be awarded the Coca-Cola business a few months ago. And a key reason for that win, and it's been reported, but but probably not as much as it should be, was the spine of data and tech driving creative, driving media, driving social, driving PR, driving e-commerce, driving ad ops, driving all of it. That was a core reason that a brand like Coca-Cola decided that they wanted to work with a company like WPP. And so I think that's the future. I think that's where we're heading. I think that you're going to see a lot of companies that are saying, you know, we don't know how to pull this all together. We need agencies to help us pull this all together. So it's going to become more important. And then the question becomes, okay, how do you integrate that right into the team? Because not all PR people, not all creative people are rigorous data tech people. So there's some interesting challenges there, but that's the future. That's where this is all heading. It fascinates me because I have my educational background is essentially zero and broadly speaking, but in data and analytics and anything that involves numbers, um, I am functionally enumerate. Um, (laughs) So data mystifies me, but I, I kind of understand how how it works and why it works. Why it doesn't mystify everyone. What I don't understand, what I genuinely don't understand is the ability to look at data and extract an insight. That to me is is pure alchemy. You know, if somebody had been able to do that in front of me 300 years ago, I would have wanted to burn them at the stake. Uh, (laughs) There's some sort of magic or witchcraft involved in looking at data and finding an insight that then becomes a whole campaign. You know, my brain can't wrap itself around. What's funny is like, I think it's both, right? Because there's pattern recognition in data and we have a lot of great 
bright, brilliant minds that will go, oh, this is jumping, right? Like, watch that. And then there's just maybe, I don't know, a 22-year-old who's like, hey, I just had this conversation with like three of my friends, not even live, all on text. This might right. be something, right? And that's not data. That's yeah. like, right. that's a crowdsourced idea. So it's both, yeah, which I right. love. And yeah. it should be. That's the flexibility. You, you mentioned that about the like, is there a different kind of creative process and, and pure creative process? you know, maybe there was back in the day. I think it's all kind of coming together. It's much more fluid to me, at least. One of the things that I used to argue about was somebody at Ogilvy many years ago had explained why advertising people were coming up with the best creative ideas, which had to do with resources, which is an argument we've all heard that, Mm -hmm. you know, data is expensive. If you're doing a a $50 million ad campaign, you can spend $500,000 on data and analytics and that's nobody even notices. If you're doing a $250,000 PR campaign, you spend $500,000 on data and analytics. You're obviously an idiot. And my counter argument to that was actually that public relations people should theoretically have a more intimate relationship with the target audience Mm -hmm. than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have all those numbers in front of you, but what you have as a public relations person is the ability to immerse yourself in the community that has built up around your brand and listen and converse and discover that way. And that there were insights that you could glean from talking to people in the real world or in the real digital world or whatever we call that, right? That you can't always extract from numbers. And I don't know that we ever took full advantage of that, but we should be closer to our stakeholders than anybody else, no? In our world, in our microcosm of Ogilvy PR, social sits in PR. And the reason for, well, there's many, but one of the reasons is exactly what you're saying. Our community managers our social listeners and analytics people and creatives, social creatives and social producers, that's all in the PR world. So it's much more kind of ingrained, right? And so it, it works more, like it's just fluid in a different kind of way than if I think social sat over there. And so we are very conscious of how we bring that to bear, whether the client, by the way, asks for it or not. Sometimes they don't ask for it. We do it anyway. And I think that's, again, where we're heading in the future. From a creative perspective, too, I think like any good creative is constantly social listening, right? They're constantly collecting that information and data to input and always talk about like, what's the kernel? What's the truth? Right? It's just happening faster now. And you have to be tapped into your community in that way and your audience and constantly listening. I think it was um, Vicky Free from Adidas yesterday. I saw her talking and she made this really great point about it's not what consumers or your audience is saying to you as a brand and what that communicates. It's what they're saying to each other. Right. And like, that's what you need to pay attention to. Right. Yeah. No, it used to be possible to believe that the brand was all the things you said about yourself. And now it's all the things that other people say about you after you've left the room. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, if you're not aware of that, and if there's a dissonance between the two, you're completely screwed. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's you've, you, what, what you're telling people has to be aligned with what they're saying to each other. Exactly. So what does this mean for the future of creativity in public relations? And I don't want to oversimplify this or, or say that, you know, creativity in the PR arena has been sort of undervalued historically. But what does it mean for the future of creativity and how do we systematize this so that it becomes not just 
the occasional spark, but something that's baked into the way the agency business works. I I don't think it's going to fade. I really think that the clients are demanding it. Big clients, small clients, they're asking for it. They sometimes use different language, but they are asking for that creativity built into the system. And so therefore, now you have talent implications, right? Who are we hiring? And we are hiring people from all walks of life that probably don't even have a PR background necessarily, but they are PR mindset, right? You know, that's, they just think in an earned social mindset. So I think it's going to continue. And I think it's blurred lines and people are sometimes uncomfortable with that. It's not so simple as to say, you only do this, you only do that. It's most people now in our industry do a little bit of all of that, right? And you can have depth and expertise and you need that. Like I'm not at all suggesting pretend, but you need that kind of, you know, ability to, to have surface and be able to bring in the depth and expertise of others when you need it, because that's where it's heading. And that's what the clients are paying I for. Think it's continued to be more and more valued as well. And I think, you, you know, again, processing through our conversation now, it's like earned creativity 10 years ago was the brief was give me a viral video. Right. And it's like, and again, it was, but that was, that was the industry starting to like, oh, we need to insert ourselves in culture in meaningful ways. Right. And so I think it's going to continue to drive the importance of meaningful brands doing meaningful work in the world. And that doesn't always have to be, you know, that, that purpose-driven work doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always have to look like the real beauty, right. It can be Burger King and Moldy Whopper, right? So like, I think there's different variations of that, but I think it's going to be for the better of all of our industries, if you will, of creativity in general, I think. I, I, look, I think our business has come a long way yeah, because yeah. I, I, I remember when I rem- when I arrived in the States in 87, you don't mind me dropping another agency's name, uh, Ketchum introduced me to Judith Rich, who was the first person that I had ever met mm, in the public yeah, relations yeah. business who had the word creative in her yeah. title. And when I talked to other agencies, I got a lot of pushback on, you know, that we don't have a creative department because we're all creative, right? Which is such a binary way of looking at, like, either you're all creative or only one of you is, is not really the choice. Right. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't like the people, it wasn't like the other people that I met at at Ketchum uh, had said, no, no, I'm actually not creative. That's that's Judith's job. But We've come so far from there to understanding that, yes, we're all creative, but we still need somebody who is, sets the agenda. Deep discipline. Yeah. 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 Um, We all get results, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a data and analytics measurement group. One one thing Lisa and I were talking about, I mean, I can look at work and I can say, that looks like a great idea, right? But I am coming at it through an earned perspective because that's my background. Lisa can come at it both from an earned perspective, but also saying from just a core kind of craft, that's great. That could be tinkered this way. That could change this way. And so that's the future. Yes. Like where we're heading, that's where we're heading. More people like Lisa. It's rising, right? I think yeah. the, the, the ideas will get stronger. The craft will get better and craftier. <laughs> Last question, because we've been talking mostly about creativity in the context of brands and consumers, which is where historically the focus on creativity has been. But how much do you see this now getting into areas like 
corporate reputation, like public affairs, you know, I hesitate to say crisis and issues management, but, you know, actually, if you can find a way to tell a compelling story that doesn't trivialize or diminish the importance of the issue, ESG reporting, Mm -hmm. to what extent are we seeing creativity thought about differently in those realms? I think it's nascent in some of them, right? But I think it's growing. You mentioned ESG and I we're seeing, you know, it used to be, can you help with a report or a strategy? Now it's, can you help us think through who the influencers would be that we'd want to tap into to start a campaign around it and then launch our strategy or then launch our, our uh, sustainability report. So I think that that's growing in a lot of different ways. It's not there yet. And the language is different. It's not always, I want a creative idea in the same way it would be about a brand, right? It's more about, I want to engage my consumers in a different kind of way. I want to be a part of the conversation in a different kind of way. So you also have to listen for the signal to know when do you bring in the creative ideas that will spark it, whether they're asking for it or not. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, Juliana, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I had a fun time, as you may have gathered. Hope listeners did too. We're coming back next year. Excellent. (laughs) We'll see you then. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast from Provoke Media with production support from the strategic podcast consultancy 4DC.